Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today we have Yuri Sonata. She is a single working mom, a salon owner, and an influencer. And today we're going to talk all about dating, relationships, divorce, being a single mom, all the things. All the things. <laughs> One thing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You said you're open to talking about everything, which yes. I love. I'm an open book. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> so I think you and your son are so cute. He is amazing. And I can't even imagine like being a single mom. And you, I got her on her only day off, which is Mondays, <laughs> this little sliver of time. She's like, how long do we have? She's going to run out of here. Exactly. I would love to talk about that and also your previous marriage and how you ended up where you are now. Yeah. And then we can finish off with where you're going. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. So your first marriage, did you get married young? I will say young. I was 26. So that could be young for okay. American. That could be pretty old for Asian okay. <laughs> where I came from, you know. Is that something that you always wanted? To have a kids or to have be married? To be married with a family, yeah. Um, when I was young, I think that's all we know. When we get out from basically college or university, like that's what we're planning to do. Supposed to I mean, do. Supposed to do, exactly. Get married and have kids right away. Number one, number two, number three. Everything was kind of like set up that way. And so when you met your first husband, what did you think like? So funny enough, like, because I came here and then, you know, as a new immigrant and it was like, it was struggle financially. At one point I was planning to not have any kids because to me, like, wow, like it's hard to taking care of myself. And that was like, you know, financially was really hard. So then to me, what's the point of bringing like a child and, you know, suffer with me or something. But I think um, after seeing some, um, when I was working at, the first one that was used to work at as an assistant, I met some people who's like they're older and they, some of them lost their husband. And that's when they were telling me how they're so grateful, like they have their kids because they'll be able to continue their life. That's kind of like make me, wow, like, okay, after, you know, 40 years from now, like between me and my husband, what is next, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of give me like a little bit of a fear. Like I don't want to be like alone in a lot of way. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. And so you met your husband here in the U.S. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. What brought you over to the U.S. initially? just want to change my life. And where are you from? Originally? Indonesia. Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your family is back yeah, there. They're back there. Yeah. So you were with your ex-husband for quite a while. Yeah. For 13 years. We weren't married for almost 10 years. What was the reason that you split? I kind of like, I never really understood what love is. I grew up in a culture that kind of almost make fun of love. And like love or anything that romantic or anything have something to do with feeling is like not real. You know, what's real is like the length of the relationship and how many kids, how wealthy you are. Like all of them work very materialistic and like, you know, the physical, like what you see, not really like how you feel. When you first met your husband, did you even feel anything? I felt like I think I can care. I was I care for him. I love him as a person, but I don't really necessarily know what do I really love him or not. I think the difference between now that I understand what love is, there's a difference between wanting a person or needed a person. So I feel like all of my relationship before even before him, I was also engaged to someone else. I think it was more need this person as my emotional dependency on a person rather than like, I want to be with this person. So I never knew what the difference between. So like when I was in that marriage, to me, 
staying in the marriage and being loyal in the marriage and doing my housewife duty, like not housewife, I was a working wife always, <laughs> you know, um, being a wife duty is like being loyal and like cater basically doing a lot of, you know, surveys for like love, right? So that's how I thought that was love. What have you learned since then? What is love? Well, because love is yeah, different like things lot. to yep. different people. Yes. Because I would say in traditional Asian cultures or even some like developing countries, it is more practical, right? Yes. They don't take the time to go. They don't care about therapy or like emotions. Yes. It's, it's, it's different. Yes. So to you, what has changed with you since yes. in how you view love? See, I think because... The more I understand about who I am and the more I understand my heart and get to know my heart. And that's when I kind of separate the emotional dependency of the feeling of needing a person and wanting a person. Because to me, what I realize is actually I know that my ex-husband loved me very much and the way he he wanted to be with me all the time. Mm. And I felt loved in that way. And I think in a lot of ways he might not feel that much how much I love him because we that was part of our like problem and our issue and at that moment I really don't understand why don't you feel like I love you I'm doing this for you mm. but because he doesn't feel the love because I didn't love him the way I should love him so it was a constant struggle because I feel like what else should I do for you to like to make you understand that I love you because in my head I was already loving him but apparently later on I understand no wonder he never felt like that because I never really truly love him But I do, like I said, like I love him as a person, like I love him as a human being, you know, but I don't think there is, what is that called? There's like a woman, man and woman, like love. Is that, there's like a different love, right? Love for your children, love for your partner, you know. Like romance, like a draw towards Like like I said, I think it's like the wanting and needing is a completely different things. How was the masculine feminine energy in your marriage? The masculine, that's one thing that I think was the blockage of everything was... If you ask a lot of my friends, like, you know, even though I look like a girl, I don't feel like a girl. I grew up with a lot of boys. A lot of, like, guys always think that I'm one part of the boys. I've always been that way. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of this, yeah, absolutely the masculine and feminine energy that doesn't translate well in the relationship because I felt like i am always felt like I have so much masculine energy. I don't know how to be, you know, or embracing my feminine energy because at that moment, even, like, during that time, I feel like having emotion for me was kind of like son of weakness and you know i don't want to be emotional and how could you be in a relationship with men and women like or with my my husband as a man if i can't even be a, a woman does that make sense yeah did you feel safe like did he give you a space to do that or did you feel like you had to pick everything up because there's certain dynamics where you feel like i i, I, I mean this, i'm using myself as an example where yeah. if i feel like the guy, if he's not stepping up, like, I'm just going to do it. Or And, and there's yeah. other certain people who make it a little easier for you to just like, and safe to yeah. sink into that space, yeah. feminine space. I think, of course, but I think, again, I think back then, I don't even know the difference between masculine and feminine energy. Masculine energy, is nothing, there's nothing bad about it. But what I had was toxic masculine <laughs> energy. So it's not even the good kind of masculine energy. <laughs> what so, are some, like what's an example of something that would be tossed toxic I think I think it's a controlling do. part and okay. feeling like the priority, feeling like I can do it faster better, uh, you know, like yes. that. Just because like I felt like because again, I think coming for an immigrant and like coming from as an immigrant and I feel like um, growing up with like not a really like a good solid loving family foundation I felt like I always on the survival mode and when you're in a survival mode like I feel 
like you have to kind of like push this masculine energy to survive, to be strong. And like, mm-hmm. all you know is to be strong, to be fast, to be ambitious, to, be, to get, to be a go-getter. Yeah. Everything is just taking, 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 you know, that's how you feel. So you don't know how to be in, I feel like my ex has been giving me everything, all the space or, or everything that I needed to, to be whatever I wanted. But I don't even know what am I supposed to want or why am I supposed to be or who am I supposed to be? With your family, did your parents raise you to be very independent or was it another reason that you decided to be in the survival mode? Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, kind of negative perspective of men and marriage. You know, where I came from, I feel like maybe I'm not sure if, you know, that's really not as bad as here. I want to I want to say because you know, having a lot of women being cheated on. I, I understand that now women also cheat or maybe now we just talk about it. I'm not sure, you know, but obviously I grew up with that mentality that men cheat, men beat, men, a lot of like so much of a negative perspective about men. So like we always kind of like being trained to be really careful, be very protecting, very, you know, build our walls and, you know, like just to kind of like survive, like, or not being hurt like by people. Yeah. This is also one of the biggest blockages we cannot love if we have all these walls. So when it was time for you and your ex-husband to split, did it come out of nowhere? Did you sit down and talk about it? How did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I have obviously... Because of where I came from, I later on, I learned after we separated and after we saw the therapist, I was starting to understand a lot more about attachment, which I also don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about love. I don't know anything about relationship. You know, all I know in the relationship is being loyal. That's all I know. What I didn't know that I have a pretty strong avoidant attachment. So then whenever like the problem occur, I always felt like, oh, I'm going to leave. It's just like um, how I want to detach from any relationship, however I felt it. But luckily, you know, for the longest time, my my ex doesn't love me very much. Like he doesn't want to ever love me. So he's starting to cater into this has become a toxic, you know, relationship. But when he's starting to like, I'll do whatever he takes to be with you. So also at this moment, I'm starting to kind of like, look, was he really love me? Or was he having an emotional dependency with me? Because we both don't really understand, I don't think. I was his second relationship, and I don't know anything about love. So we both kind of like blind in that sense. All he knows is he have to be with me or else like he felt like he can even live without me. So now I feel I have to stay because I don't want to hurt this person because this person is so good to me and love me. Like, what should I ask for more? I don't want to be like feeling I'm not grateful for what I got, you know, because Mm -hmm. every woman or every people that I know, like how he loved me, everybody always told me like, you'll never find anybody that loved you like that. You know, you're kind of scared about it, right? And you felt like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, maybe I should stay. And the longer, the longer I stay, but I know inside, I don't feel like that. And I think what pushing it is, because when you stay or doing something not really coming from your heart, you're starting to build a lot of resentment. But the resentment I thought in that moment was I resent him. But it was actually me resenting myself to be in a relationship that I don't even want to be in. I think like my feminine energy was not fed or like mm-hmm. my feminine energy was not really, can't really come out. And I'm, I don't know how to get it out. So there's a lot of like blank spots, you know, and I don't understand a lot of that. So when we're starting going to marriage therapies, that's when I learned a lot about attachment, about, you know, the feminine masculine energy and all of that. And I starting to see the more I see it, the more I see ourselves as being just simply not compatible. We are so not compatible. I see. Did yeah. he agree? He doesn't agree. Okay. He doesn't agree because he because he's blinded by his love. So he cannot even see it either. Okay. So after 
the therapist and I still wanted to get a divorce because again, when you hold a resentment, you become a very angry person. So you felt like starting to get very snappy. You mm-hmm. feel like you get angry so easily. There's something in your heart that is not communi- communicate, you know, and usually mm-hmm. it comes from a lot of anger and resentment. And that's when I start seeing after, you know, Kai was born, I starting to get very, very like short tempered. And I'm like, I don't want to be this person. So I need to like detach, you know? And even at the moment, I still don't know what love is. And I still like believe maybe we just need to separate it. Maybe one day I will find myself again or I will, I have no idea. Like maybe if we were meant to be, we'll be together again. That's how I thought. But at that moment, I really, I really, really know that I didn't love him the the way I should. And I know that we're not compatible. How's your relationship with him now, co-parenting? Um, we're doing okay as best as we can, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you talk only when you like logistics? Do you talk outside? Yes, of- very logistic. Yeah. yeah, I have to say he was very hurt with with the breakup and um, you know with the divorce, and he still loved me when I when I left. So even at that time, I don't even understand why did he still love me? You know, <laughs> I because I don't understand love at all. You know, I didn't know how much he was so blinded and and all of that. But after I learned so much about love, I did wrote him a long letter. I really apologize sincerely. If I knew a lot earlier about what love was, I was not going to into the relationship, like, you know, or keep him as long as I, you know, as I should. But I believe everything happened for a reason. And I know that Kai, you know, is the fruit of this relationship. And that's how it has to be. Besides therapy, have you done anything else like read books or what? what's really helped you in learning what love is and connecting to yeah, yourself? Definitely uh, read a lot of books. Okay. Do you have a few yeah. favorites? Uh, Mastery of Love, probably. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, a lot. Attachment, definitely a lot. I felt like get slapped every page, you know? I'm like, oh, 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 shit. Okay, okay. My fault. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, not, you know, I'm not innocent. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the self-responsibility is a huge yeah, part of it. Yeah, for sure. Who, I didn't, you know, like, if you don't understand or know anything about this, how could you know? You know, yeah. we were so blind. Also, yeah, a reminder to not be hard on yourself either because a lot of yeah. us were not taught. Like, I mean, we just emulate what we see. So yeah. if our parents or movies i mean that's basically it yeah unless you're really lucky and you have a really healthy relationship modeled for you which i feel like is a small percentage of people i don't even have one you know it it is a bad thing and like i would like to have one but i probably will have growing up probably one family that i thought they have a more kind of like healthy masculine feminine and you know you can actually see the love and you know but one couple you know but then it was it and movies for us it was just like we were even told us like movie was just always because he's in the movies so it's not even real it's like why do we know what's real (laughs) do you have any friends who are marriages that you admire now and like any more yes yes i do i do i have some couple that and i also do like weddings makeup and hair which you know which is very ironic right and i learned actually a lot of love from the story i love i you know i have those like elephant memory i when i met my my couple and i like to ask them how this you know story started and stuff and it's crazy because i know 
slowly I starting to have those feeling of like I know which one was meant to be together for a long time yeah. and it was kind of like starting from love or was that again the emotional dependency mm-hmm. or like oh we have to stay together because we already spent a lot of years together so like this marriage was it based on love or was it based on the time that you put in you know yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of different, different <laughs> story and yes. dynamic and it's crazy because I starting to see a lot and Believe it or not, I even know which one is going to get divorced. I even once or twice will tell the bride when we're doing a trial that I don't think you should go into the married because I felt was wrong. Like a lot of it was wrong. I want to judge, but it was wrong because I, I come from how she felt about relationship and I felt it. And then, of course, end up she was cheated on. And I don't want to say I was right, but I felt it from her. I photographed wedding for 15 years and yeah. it, it's so cool it's crazy. seeing. You just learn a lot just by observing. Yes, and, 100%. Right? So I understand what you're saying. Like I found it really helpful observing like also in learning what I want, what I gravitate towards. Like this couple's like they had a quiet comfort. You could just tell yes. they're like, I liked at the foundation like of friendship dynamic. Yes. There was mutual respect. That w- yes, I learned mutual that. mutual respect, was, 100%. was huge. Like they adore each other. I yes. think the adore is there, you yes. know, respect and adoration. Yes. I think it has to come together to be like a good relationship. What else have you done to tap into your feelings and embody your feminine? After I read a book, I like to sit with myself to really think and reflect on like all my old relationship. And that's when I start to see what my tendency, what's my trigger, because I couldn't see it. So I will deny all these like things. It's it's just crazy because like for the longest time, I always kind of block my emotion. Like I used to even, if I started to cry, I would tell to myself, like, don't cry. Like, don't you ever dread to cry. Because when you're growing up, like feeling is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. You're starting to always blocking your own emotion. You don't even know what you're supposed to feel, right? Yeah. So you're not even allowing yourself to feel. Yeah. So now... Because I know the tool to kind of like tapping into like myself. Whenever I felt something, I sit with it and I ask myself, what do I feeling? Why, why am I feeling this way? What is it this part of my trauma that came into this feeling? Like why is creating this feeling? I think understanding that is me getting to know my heart and my soul. And I felt a lot more connected to what I call it, her. Now I kind of like have this relationship with her. You know, her is like myself inside of me that I never had relationship with. And I think that was just the most amazing. And now whenever she felt something, I respect her feeling. I respect mm-hmm. her feeling. I respect her. I let her to feel it and let give her time to like, you want to cry, let's cry. You want to be upset, let's be upset, you know, and be able to communicate that. It's kind of like reparenting yourself. Yes, yes. The words you reparent, yeah. How were your emotions received as a kid? Oh, yeah. I Funny enough, I learned so much also watching Kai because, again, I felt like I almost have not a lot of memories of my childhood unless, like, you know, like the, like the emotional part of my childhood. All I know is I was a sad girl, mm-hmm. you know, because I was suppressed emotionally. I, I remember, like, even, like, um, if you want to like somebody, you know, like, you know, when you're a teenager, you like mm-hmm. somebody, that's wrong. When you're, like, sad or cry, that's stupid. When you're, like, we cannot be angry because angry is not good. So what feeling are we supposed to ever have? You know what I mean? Every emotion I feel like I was showing, it felt like I was shamed, like, a lot of, like, a lot of shaming. Mm-hmm. And I started into feeling kind of embarrassed about my feeling. So when I first time I felt like I was falling in love with a person, I almost feel embarrassed to admit it. They're like, oh my God, I fall in love with this person. I'm like, 
but I'm embarrassed to admit it. I was embarrassed that I was brokenhearted. Yeah, so now, like, when I reparented, I kind of, like, remember, like, I've always been, when I'm reading a lot about a sensitive child, because I think Kai is a very sensitive child, I have all that definition of a sensitive child, mm. but was, it was not ever nurtured as a sensitive child. Yes. yes. Is it the HSP? Like specific, yes. highly sensitive mm-hmm. person? Yeah, highly sensitive person. Yeah. Okay. So we felt a lot more. And then, like, you know, so I, when I see Kai, he's having the same issue. Like, oh, luckily, I teach this guy to, like, um, to speak up his emotions. So he's angry, he's mad, frustrated. Okay. You know, you use this word. He doesn't know how to express why is he's feeling this way. Because when you are highly sensitive, the emotion was so big. And it literally felt like you were choking mm-hmm. with your own emotion that if you say a word, you will be like, bald and tears you know and this has happened all the time mm-hmm. whenever i'm like i have to say it i have to say it but i said like wow <laughs> like <laughs> but it's great because like you know when i was young i have never had anyone to like know that i can't let anyone know that i'm crying or having emotions so everything was so bottled everything was so but and i'll be like mostly have to cry alone and have to mourn alone and a lot of that also come into the relationship, you know? Like, I don't want to show that to my partner, that I'm feeling certain way. Vulnerable. Yeah. It's because, like, being emotional is weak, and I don't want to be weak, because I want to be strong. So since you've been dating, how's that been? Um, <laughs> so after my divorce, I had two relationships then, and then my last relationship, I think, was teaching me so much more about that. I think it's because we have a lot more that, masculine feminine energy for some reason my feminine energy was coming out a lot more in this relationship rather than before i think it's not because i also do a lot of self-work a lot of self-reflection so i think that came a lot on this relationship and because there was also like my first true heartbreak uh, heartbreak mm. so it really took me to a place that i really need to sit and i really have to like look you know like what was going on what happened there uh, you know this is a guy you dated after the first guy you date after? No, your, this is like a the the third guy, the okay, recent one. The most yeah. recent one. <laughs> yeah, but um, we're not together anymore. But, you know, we're, we're, we become a good friend after all because, you know, we found ourselves as like, you know, we're soulmates, but like, but it doesn't mean we have to be together. You know, it's a lot of like long story, but we can't be together. But we respect that um, reality, right? I'm not going to push something. We, yeah. we know that we cannot, we both can push something that was not meant to be. But I know, we know that, we both know that our soul was a soulmate. Does that make sense? You know, that's a really good distinction. Yes. Because a lot of people think that because you have that soul connection, yeah, that they want to be with that person. Yeah. But you live in the 3D world. Yeah. So to me, um, again, because I think when you come into the place that the most vulnerable and when you're the most vulnerable, first, don't be a victim is one. When you come into a place and you ask why, not why is happening to me as like, oh my God, why is it happening to me? But you want to know why this is happening as something that, what is the universe want you to learn? You know, or what does God want me to learn from this? Because this is something huge, right? Because I never felt this way. It was crazy and intense. And let me sit down and let me look into the relationship. What am I what am I learning from this? Yeah. And this is when I learned so much, like I said, about my heart, about my soul, about how my attachment came out in the relationship. All of that came after I sit vulnerably with, you know, when I was like brokenhearted and I was be able to even like after we, you know, we broke up for the first time 
and we came back together as kind of like a different person at this point. Okay. I come in with a lot more ego was out out of the way. My wall was out of the way because I break those wall. The the, the breakup breaks this wall. It's funny because you know you said you 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 will think like. After you come into the breakup, when you get again, if you if I want to get into the survival, I will never date somebody like this. I will never fall in love again. You can go or you can take this experience to, to this, right? Which a lot of people do because we want to protect ourselves. But if you really ask, what is a big picture? What is I'm here to learn? You will be surprised. It will not get you to that space, and it's actually make you even more wanting to have a new relationship because now you come in as a different person. A healthier, a stronger person with less wall is <laughs> actually not more walls, you know. How would you describe this last guy that you dated? Funny enough, we're very similar in a lot of ways. Okay. Like we think alike about like the universal energy. It's a, I guess emotionally we are very connected and very spiritual. Not necessarily religious, but spiritual. Mm-hmm. Because I think the soulmate part, what I didn't know, is like when you met your soulmate, everything become very, very natural. Like this is something that I never knew with anybody or like I never felt it with anybody else. Like once he got COVID last year, I was with him for like five days and I had COVID and he was with me for five days. And, you know, we're quarantining at home. Of course, some people also like when you quarantine with your partner, that's I think a lot of people find are they actually really good together or really bad, right? <laughs> yes. When you met your soulmate, you can just sit there and not doing anything and felt, it felt like it was fun. It's like, it's the weirdest thing, you know? Like you can just sit there and do nothing and we have a lot of fun. And that's when the soul are very deeply connected without really doing anything, you know, like doing stuff for this person, doing stuff for person or like say a lot of things or doing a lot of things. I don't think we need a lot of that. I think this relationship had become very like, naturally and it was creating a lot of magic that you know has nothing to do with us you know i feel like the soul and the universe creating that like uh, magic that was happening i'm pretty sure people who like understand this they've met their soulmate because they know i know they felt it you know Mm -hmm. yeah because you feel more now or you felt more with this last guy was your attachment style the same still anxious um, so oh, no, 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 avoidant. Yeah. So funny enough, funny, anxious and uh, anxious and avoidant, they, they kind of come back and forth. Okay. You know, they come back and forth. So on my old relationship, I always kind of like, oh, I never felt jealous. Or because I'm, I think because I'm so cool. I'm such a cool girl that like, I don't get jealous. I don't have emotion, whatever. But for the first time I ever felt jealous when I was like with this guy, I was like, whoa, <laughs> what is this? Oh man, that's I really think- <laughs> oh wow you know and it's funny because i had a friend who he's a guy and he was like when i was like telling him about he knew when i was married he knew when i was dating and he knew also when i was with this guy um he said something that was so simple and he was like talking about jealousy and stuff right and i was like yeah i think i'm because i just i'm not a jealous person i just literally think of me as this person and he simply said i think you're not jealous because you never really loved that person or like that person. And I kind of see with it. Oh shit. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was, was going into all my past relationships. Simply because they love me. Not because I want love them. Because it's safe. And safe was translated to love. This is the love that we want. Because that's what we're. You know our like moms and aunties. And everybody who was telling us to like be with the person who loved you. Be with the person who loves you, not we love. How crazy is that? So to me, that's all I, I know. 
So like I'm going through a relationship because they love me first. And then I give them back by doing things for them. Like acting like, not acting like it's just love. It was an act of love. It's not really a feeling of love. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So now that I you know, fall in love with this guy and I was like, and then things that I do or things I thought was completely different. And my anxious attachment, it came out to like, I never seen it before. Mm. And I'm feeling all the feeling that I never felt before. And I was completely like, I felt so imbalanced, you know, like I felt so like, whoa, like I don't know what to do with myself. What kind of feeling is this? I'm like, why is it so painful? Why is it I'm feeling this way? And again, because all of it knew, I felt embarrassed of that feeling. So I tried to deny it, deny, deny. And that's actually the first thing that happened in our first, like, you know, when we first got together, that was a lot of that in the relationship. I think we both was, we call it crazy in love, which I know like, we don't want to agree with the words of crazy in love because we shouldn't. Because when you felt, I mean, when you met the right person, you, you're supposed to feel safe in love, you know, not crazy in love. That's exactly why we're not together. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, you know, but that because we were so crazy in love, it creates so much anxious attachment. Because like, if you just imagine if you like, just think of it as you were a little kid and you have your favorite, most favorite toys, you know, how, you're scared if this you're gonna lose this toys, right? Mm-hmm. So the more you love it, the more you care. The, the more you're scared. That's exactly what happened. And I don't know what to do with it. And I think we both was feeling the same way about the relationship. So it created a lot of tension. It created a lot of anxiety. Like we both have so much anxiety, but we both don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, he did talk about it, and because again, I kind of tried to deny it. Because like um, when he he need he wanted to be always so close to me, and I started oh I need to space for myself oh I need like a day for myself. I started to create all this excuse to be away, my pushing my avoidance side out, you know, and try to come across as like I'm this little independent, like, I don't need you, the kind of person. And because I'm creating this little you know misindependent, apparently this personality is creating a lot of insecurity to my men, which I never knew. I never knew after the last guy, I started to see the pattern from my first married, for my ex-fiance, my first married, my, my second boyfriend, you know, like the relationship after that, the ex-boyfriend after that, half creating the same issue. And then I remember like, you know, my ex was sometime told me that like I created that insecurity. And I'd be like, it's not my fault if you're insecure, you know, like I was so blinded by it. I didn't know that I was creating this like, feeling that like the back door is always open so I can run anytime I want because that's how I protect myself you know but that came out in the relationship in a very very negative way yeah would they flat out say it like I don't they feel did. safe like I feel yes. like they're gonna leave they did they did but I kind of like again to me I'm kind of looking at oh you're insecure like it's not my fault because I didn't know that I was projecting that into the relationship I didn't know that until like the last one I was like okay after seeing a three pattern, I should sit down and maybe it's me. <laughs> you know, maybe it's me. So that I, I have to really sit on it. And then that's when, you know, again, when you're starting to ask a question genuinely, I think that's when your soul and you, when you sit in a quiet place with yourself without any other like noise, yes. that's when you really know the soul, which, the soul and the universe will like speak to you. And that's when I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. You know, I have to admit that that was me. 
Yeah, that's yeah. a great piece of advice because in today's culture, we're always doing, yeah. just like modern women, if you're really capable, we're always doing, which can be a distraction. Yes. If you're not working, you're like consuming, you're like listening to podcasts or, yeah. you know, but how often do we just sit yeah. quiet? Like yeah. you said, the journaling, yeah. I've been doing that more yeah. and you get a lot more clarity. I didn't yeah. realize like I'm always doing shit. Yeah, doing shit. Yeah, exactly. Because what doing has a lot to do with, I think, in culture you know, um, doing has something to do with our self-worth. If we're doing and achieving where our self-worth is more, but we're not doing anything, we become kind of like, oh, you're lazy. And you're you like, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, doing and achieving is like all things that we have to do, you know, but it's so, it's not like that. We just have to be human. Absolutely. <laughs> just be human. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything specific that you want to work on right now for yourself? Oh, a lot. <laughs> I always feel there's a lot to learn, you know. There's a lot to learn. The one thing that I learned the biggest this week, I just finished the book of uh, Jose Silva. And wow, mind blown. Because we are so conditioned to know who we are as who we are. When we become very stubborn of who we are. That's what they say, all oh, dogs don't learn new tricks, you know. But we can learn. You know, everything is reversible if you want it. You know, if you want it, you can. That is it, just... Is it what it is, you know? Because I remember like one time when I was into like the therapist and like the therapist was like mentioning about every um, human have capacity, a different capacity in a sense of like, she's saying that like not everybody is given lemon, like a lemon can make into lemonade. You know, I was kind of like, don't know how to agree with that. Because to me, I think they need to know first if you can make lemon into a lemonade. But if you don't know, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessary because every person don't turn lemon into lemonade. You just don't know that they can make it into lemonade. If every person have given a tool to understand that like we are human, as a human, we are a supercomputer with feelings. You know, we're like the greatest freaking universe ever built or make or create, you know. We're an amazing thing. We can do everything that we want as long as we put ourselves if we want to, to learn about it, you know. So the idea of understanding that we're just a simply a supercomputer that is programmable, that creates so much opportunity to become whatever you want to be. So I think that is like what I'm kind of like want to say and like taking myself to my full potential and like living on my purpose and like being more spiritual even my next book is going to be Dr. Joe Sponsorita, Joe Dispenza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was just listening. Yes. To yeah. So they're kind of like all aligned. And then I started to realize like all the books that I learned, um, you know, Martha Beggs, like Don Brown and like um, a lot of this writer, I feel like they understand this concept of human being as, or our brain is like a, a, a supercomputer, you know, everything is programmable, programmable. So we can program ourselves not even by anybody else, by yourself. They like to become somebody that you really want to be. The sky's the limit, right? <laughs> At this point, yeah. That's great. Are you still, are you open to dating right now? I am open to dating, but I, I think because of now, not that I know how to let my soul lead, because now I understand my soul is there. I recognize her. I can feel her. So I feel like I can kind of like using her as my guidance to take me to like, I kind of want to have the universe take me or like bring me somebody. But I think I'm ready, you know, opened up to the possibility of meeting another soul that like my soul would like, you know, because I believe that we can 
meet more than one soulmate in our lifetime. Not necessarily will be like our forever or not. You know, of course, I would like to meet my forever, but I still don't know that who is going to be my forever. You know, but I want to believe that it is there. You know, there is one there. When you say like you to let the soul lead, do you also have something in mind though that you're looking for? Absolutely. And if so, what is that? Yeah. So I think it's definitely. <laughs> This is kind of funny. Six foot tall, handsome, red, you know, regular stuff, barely basic, spiritual, love food and love to treat me. Yeah, all the good stuff, you know. Um, No, I I don't, I mean, I know it's like what I'm, I think, I don't want to say like I'm a narcissist, but I think now that I understand my ex-husband was total polar opposite from me. And when people say opposite attract, I don't longer agree with that anymore because it could be too far. Too far. And then we cannot be, like I said, we cannot be even in the same room and being happy. Like if you are not somewhat similar, like I said, you know. So to me, that's what I feel from all my previous relationship and for, with the last one is because we are so similar in a lot of ways, you know. And I think it is very important to have the compatibility in every aspect, the spiritual, spirituality, maturity, emotionally, all of that has to be aligned. That's what, that's exactly what we needed. Like, of course, not everything is going to be aligned, but like, it has to be a lot of them aligned, in my opinion. What is your priority in terms of having that connection? Like, is it the spiritual component? Is it the lifestyle component? Mm, Physical? Yeah. Emotional? I feel like, you know, it's all the above. <laughs> well, they all matter, but is there it's, one? Because yeah. for me, yeah, what when, is I, this for when I met my husband, the emotional was at the top because I always neglected that. See, the funny part is, I feel like emotionally, when I was with my ex-husband, was the only thing was connected with me and my ex-husband was the emotional connection, right? We, we felt emotionally connected, but we're not spiritually connected because he doesn't believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, they so, say that it's rare. Sp- spiritual connection is more rare. Yeah, it is more rare. So that's why I think if I have to say maybe spiritual is the most important, simply because when you are spiritually connected, it can go through a lot of different parts in our life. Like it can connect to the emotional part. It can go to the life goal part, like lifestyle part, because that's a lot of things about being the spiritual being, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Of course, like physical to me is important. I'm not going to say like it's not because to me it is important to have like I need to be attracted to this person. Can't be like only one or another. For some reason, I don't never felt with my exes I felt emotionally neglected, which I'm really blessed, you know, with like all the exes that I was with. Because again, they actually love me first, you know, before I learned how to love them, you know. So I was emotionally nurtured in those relationships or my past relationship. But we don't have any spiritual connection. And then I think the spiritual part has nothing to do with religion part. Again, is the spiritual part being like, I think I look at myself, I'm a very deep person. So I cannot be with anyone who's kind of like live in the service level. You want depth. Depth. It's very important. Yeah. Depth is very important for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking. Yeah, all these my fun God, it's always so much fun. I know we can talk for hours. No, there's like so <laughs> much more. I feel like this was just yeah, like the surface. Yeah. But a lot of women can relate to that, especially women who are who listen in this channel tend to be more independent, yes. career women. We we 
can tend to be in our masculine a little yeah. more. So learning yeah. to tap into that spiritual yeah. spiritual side. Yeah, definitely. But I really think really like the biggest the biggest thing that I learned from this relationship, the, this past relationship is the toxic masculinity. You know, and toxic masculinity, like, don't be surprised. And because just because you're a woman, it doesn't, because a lot of women doesn't know they have a lot of toxic masculinity. You know what I mean? I just learned this, you know? Yeah. So like, I think this is one first thing that we need to understand, especially if you call yourself a feminist, this this can also can turn into something negative. You know, I'm not saying I am a feminist, you know, because I'm, I'm all about like equality and all of that. Oh, speaking of dating over the equality, I want to just put them in here. Like I am... That person that like, when I go on a date and I knew you will know, to be honest, in the first like 10 to 15 minutes, you want to see this person again or not. If I know that I don't want to date this person, I will pay my part and I'm not going to let the person pay. Obviously, if they offered, you know, mm-hmm. because I don't want to like owe anybody anything. That That's how much I am to me. Like, I don't expect guys to do more than us and vice versa. All that, you know, it's all about the mutual respect and stuff when you being that independent that you said be careful with the toxic masculinity traits that you might have but you don't know you have because this will show a lot of relationship and a lot of women who think like oh i'm strong i don't need to apologize for things and you know it just it become toxic masculinity or become toxic feminist you know well if people would like to look you up or send you a dm where yeah. can they do that it's going to be at yuri sonata just like my name Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings, and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.